Alleluia! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia! And peace be with you, my friends. According to Guinness, the number one selling book of all time, drum roll please, is the Bible. The Bible, yes, not only one book, but a collection of 66 books which lead us from creation through conflict and chaos, through recovery to victory, and finally arriving at the new creation. This morning in our lectionary readings during this Easter season, we have arrived at the part about new creation. Revelation chapter 22 is the last chapter. These are the final verses, the crescendo of the story. The story, of course, which began in Genesis at the first creation. It is the story of the new heaven and the new earth coming down out of heaven from God. If we are to start with the end in mind, then, as human beings, this is what we are aiming for, what we are living for, what we are to desire. The bumper sticker is wrong. The one who dies with the most toys doesn't win. They just die. No, we are created for this, to live in community with God and each other in God's beautiful and good creation. Revelation chapter 22 is really the climax of what began on Easter Sunday. You see, Jesus' resurrection in bodily form from the grave was the start of this new creation, this new existence for human beings. Because God's desire is to involve humans in the process, Jesus then sent his followers, the disciples, into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When the time is fulfilled, the time which only the Father knows, the reading from this morning will happen. It will take place. So let's take a look then at what will take place. John says that while he was in the Spirit, the angel carried him away to a great mountain and showed him the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I mentioned last week that for many of us, cities are not all that attractive, and for good reason. Crime, homelessness, traffic, dirty, etc., etc., Yet, can you imagine what a truly holy city of God might look like? By truly, whole, by truly holy, I mean one devoid of all evil. Think of Jesus healing the sick and lame, restoring those with mental illness to full health. As all evil has been removed, all the functions, all the happenings of the city turn away from fulfilling selfish needs to bringing glory to God. It was the original plan in Genesis for people to live in community with each other, with God dwelling within our midst. So think then of a sporting event in in the city or entertainment, forms of government, commerce, all the functions of big cities, all these turning towards giving right praise to God. All of these happenings and events turned away from filling selfish needs to bringing praise to God through actually using the gifts, skills, and abilities God has given each of us 
to do to live in community with God and each other. Here then we see a city, a community in right order, without chaos. The new heaven and the new earth then bring about full restoration to the human community. John then says, I saw no temple. Now in the Old Testament city of Jerusalem, the main reason people went to Jerusalem was because the temple, the physical building, was in Jerusalem. Even today, people flock to Jerusalem from around the world because the Temple Mount is in Jerusalem. Yet in the heavenly city of Jerusalem, there is no temple. Why? Why? Simply put, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb have become its temple. You see, the story of new creation began with Jesus here on earth. And when Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or when Jesus healed lame people on the Sabbath, or when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, Jesus was in fact saying that he was the new temple of God. You see, where God is, the temple is. In the new heaven and the new earth then, no physical building of a temple is needed as the presence of both God Almighty and the Lamb is the temple. The text goes on to say the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now notice the text does not say there is no sun or moon. It simply says there is no need of sun or moon. Why? Because the glory of God shines brightly. With the absence of evil, there is no darkness, no night. Thus, the glory of God is unrestricted. Think of Moses in the desert when he went into the tent of meeting to meet with God. When he came out of the meeting, his face had shone with the brightness and the glory of God. It was so jarring to the Israelites to those who lived in darkness, Moses had to put a veil on his face. In the new heaven and new earth then, with the presence of evil removed, God's glory shines uninhibited by darkness, and there is no need to put a veil on anyone or anything. One further note on this, at Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, the text reads, there will be no more night. Now here, in my opinion, the author of Revelation looks back to the gospel he wrote concerning the light of the world. Oftentimes in that gospel, John contrasts light and darkness, night and day. The poignant reference linking up with this verse here, Revelation 22.5, may just be at the Last Supper when John writes about Judas getting up and leaving the party. John says, It was night. Here in the new heaven and new earth, there is no night. There are many, many more observations from our second reading this morning we can make, but just one more and then I'll draw some conclusions. In the middle of this holy city runs a river. The waters of this river are as bright as crystal. And the angel tells John the river is known as the water of life. The headwaters of this river flow from the throne of God 
and of the Lamb through the middle of the street in the city. Now what flows between the Father and the Son is nothing less than the Holy Spirit. The picture is evocative then of the love between the Father and the Son, which is the Holy Spirit, now flowing through the middle of the holy city into the surrounding world. In the creed, we will stand and say together in just a few moments, we will proclaim, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Then on either side of this river um, of life stands the tree, or perhaps trees of life. Now from our recollection of Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, after they had given in to the temptation offered by the serpent, Adam and Eve were barred from eating from the tree of life. Yet here, in the holy city of the new heaven and new earth, Access to the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, a different kind of fruit each month, is easily accessible to all the city's inhabitants. Easily accept, ac accessible to all who live in the surrounding area of the city. As the river of life flows from the middle of the city through its gates into the surrounding area. We see also that the leaves from the tree of life bring healing to all the nations of the earth. So why is all this important to you and me today in May of 2022? I mean, to some it may all seem just a bit Pollyannish, too much, too much pie in the sky. Well, let's go back to the original reader's point of view. The letter was written to the seven churches who at the time were under great persecution from the Roman authorities of the day. Christianity, as we all know, had made great strides, great inroads into the Roman world. And Christians were not only preaching, but living according to the mantra of Jesus is Lord. To us in 2022, Jesus is Lord may not sound all that threatening. However, in Rome, Caesar was Lord was the mantra. And if you did not adhere to that belief, well, things may not go so well for you, like the persecution received by those who lived in the region of the seven churches. So this letter, the book of Revelation, to the seven churches was written to bring exhortation to God's people to remain faithful, to hang in there in times of trials, persecution, and great consternation. These are the promises of God to the faithful who are able to hang on to the end. And of course, the churches who followed in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries, all the way up to today, have taken great encouragement from the words written in the book of Revelation, as each generation in the church has undergone some type of persecution. Now here is not as now, here is not a so fun fact. Are you aware that the church has had more martyrs in the past century than all the centuries prior to it added up? Yes, the 20th century across the globe had more martyrs than all the centuries added up prior to it. So remember those who now, today, even at this moment, are under political, economic, or societal persecution. 
because of their faith in Jesus, the Messiah. In the West, we may feel we are without persecution. Well, maybe not so fast. Our persecution is of a much more cynical type. We may not be under physical persecution, but our persecution is more of a mental and emotional type of persecution, one which lulls us to sleep. Because most of us in the West live fairly comfortable lives, have access to health care, are somewhat protected from crime, we oftentimes put our lives on cruise control. We give in more to slothfulness and mediocrity. We are certainly a blessed people. So let's not rest on our laurels, however, and continue to strive to learn how to live lives of new creation, to look to what is ahead, to throw off the old ways of selfishness, and to put on the new ways Jesus has taught us. The old is gone, the new has come. Not only is the book of Revelation then to bring exhortation and encouragement to us to remain faithful to our Lord through times of trial and persecution, but the book of Revelation brings us to the, to the end of the Bible, the closing of the Bible. It all started in Genesis with the story of creation, how God created a good world and how God created a very good pair of human beings to rule righteously over God's good world. But there was a snake in the garden, and all hell broke loose. God began a rescue plan then and involved the humans in that rescue plan. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the barriers of the pro the bearers of the promise of God's restoration plan become the biggest problems. With the arrival of the fully God, fully human Jesus, victory is found over sin and death, and the humans then once again are set off into the world to bring God's good news to all the peoples of all the nations. We are to accomplish that mission by living lives of new creation, by throwing off the old ways of sin and death and putting on the new ways of life and peace through genuinely loving and caring for each other, ourselves, God's good creation, and all those around us, meaning all those who don't look like or act or think like us, through genuine love, we are to shine the light and spread the salt of the good news of Jesus. It isn't just about being saved and going to heaven. No, it's about being a new creation, living in that new creation today, right here, right now. Don't stop at your baptism. Don't just say, I, I'm saved, I'm good. No, new life and abundant life, everlasting life begins here and now. So join with me in living our lives together in Christ through the love of the Holy Spirit. And then as Revelation states, one day God will bring all things to an end. Evil itself will be fully and completely dealt with. And God's people will be resurrected to live with God and the Lamb through the love of the Holy Spirit. Together with each other in the new heaven and new earth. Amen. Amen.